Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Look, all right. I know a lot of people are upset about the Panthers, but I was just telling Bernie, like, before we got on the air here, this one was expected, wasn't it? The Cowboys were they're a good team this year, and we are not. And so I like of all the losses, this one was I w- I thought we were going to lose way worse way earlier. You know, but being a Panther fan means that you can never really walk away from the game because they give you these reasons to think that they they might pull it out. They might surprise you. They might win and then no, they find a way to lose. So this one was uh expected for me. They're just terrible. They are just terrible. And I I had to disagree with Bernie again. He said this is worse than the than the one in 15 season. When George Seifert was coach, do you even remember that season? Or were you too young at the time? I was pretty young. Uh, it's it's the the season I remember most vividly is two and fourteen with Jimmy Clausen. That that is the season I remember most because I was yeah, I was old. That enough. was a bad one. too. That was when we got Cam Newton the next year. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was a really and I went to quite a few of those games that year. It was really rough to watch. Yeah, but this is. This is the worst that I that I can remember it being. Well, the team is bad. That's the very bad. Right. Well, the defense is very, pretty good. I'm, very I'm not undisciplined. Gonna, yeah, I'm not going to get into. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole uh, you know turn my show into a sports show or anything. We could, uh, though, we but could. I could. I could. <laughs> uh, I am versatile. I'm a utility type player. But no, uh, I just I watched it and uh, our defense is decent. Our offensive line is offensive. They're terrible. Um, I don't know why they're still playing the rookie quarterback. I think they're just trying to get him hurt, I mm. think, at this point. Because he just keeps getting sacked all the time. And the stupid penalties that our guys committed just walking up behind somebody and shoving them to the ground, like, after the play is over. We're the most Where? penalized team in the league, by the way. Oh, okay. And it shows. Well, there you go. All right, so it's not a... It, there's a bright spot. I'm not sure. We are what... leading the league in something. Yes. That's... Look, you got to look at the silver linings here. You know, you got to find the positives. So I was not aware that no team has uh, has prompted more referee interaction than us. That's that's a let's just take from that and build off of that. I like the way you think. Pete. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Right. Monday motivation. Oh, is that is that by the number of penalties or the total yardage? Ooh, I bet we I bet we have both. Nice. I'm gonna look it up though. Right. So, make sure. so what does that tell me? It tells me that we are a bunch of selfless players. Our team is filled with givers. They give and they give. They give so much yardage to the opposing team. It's like spotting them a couple of scores at every game. And that that does make it harder for us to win, but really what's the important thing, right? It's that it's that we're having a, a good time, right? It's not that we're we're losing every single game. Now, I, I, I said to Bernie, and we, I'll, 
Well, you can go look this up. I'm not terribly interested to look it up because if I recall correctly, we lost almost in that season when George Seifert was our coach and we lost 15 games, only won one game all year. I think we lost almost every single one of those 15 games by, by three points or less or fewer, by less than a field goal. It was some ridiculous number that we, like, we were close in every single game and we just would always lose. And that's almost worse. I No, you know what? It is worse. I'd rather get blown out. So this way I can just stop watching the game and I can have a couple hours of my Sunday back, you know? And I don't have to, I don't have to watch the whole game to then suffer the, the humiliation and the heartbreak at the very, very end of the game. I think I'm pretty sure we lost... Almost all of them by three points. Oh, it was terrible. It was so sad. Pete, looks like uh, maybe five or six games were blowouts, but you're right. Uh, quite a few of them. Quite a few of them were pretty close games. So ten we, of we the won, fifteen. We won the first game and then lost fifteen. Fifteen straight. straight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really rough. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean we're we're. Look, I like the Panthers. I'm a Panthers fan. In fact, yesterday I was pulling for the Panthers, even though I grew up a Cowboys fan. I cannot explain it. I don't know why I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan. And I, and I started following the Cowboys before they fired Tom Landry, right, the head coach there. So I had to suffer through the Cowboys when they went 1-16. And their quarterback was some guy named Babe Laufenberg. They went 1-15. The only game they won that entire year was against the uh, Washington Indigenous Peoples. And that was the only game that the Indigenous Peoples lost that whole season. Oh, it was brutal. And then I, you know, I came down to Winthrop University. We got the Panthers. I'm not saying it was related. I'm just saying we got the Panthers when I arrived. So... I follow, I followed the Panthers and then we finally met the Cowboys in the playoffs and I was like I have to I have to decide which team to pull for here. And I found myself pulling for the Panthers and I said, "Okay then, I'm going to be a Panther fan." And then the Panthers won. I'm not saying it's related, I'm just saying I started pulling for the Panthers. And then the Cowboys weren't any good for a very very long time after that. But neither have been the Panthers, so I don't I can't explain it. Anyway, good luck next week, guys. Let's go for go for our second win. Do you know we have never had but back-to-back winning seasons, and we have never had. No, we have. We've won we've won multiple games in a row. We have won multiple games in a row as yeah, a franchise. We've just never had back-to-back winning seasons. Winning seasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. Winning seasons. Yeah, so, I mean, we went 15-1. and one Right, that's right. 2015. Yeah. And lost the game that, that, yeah. We went to the Super Bowl. That was a great year. We went to the Super Bowl, and, and then we kicked the ball out of bounds, let the Patriots drive, and they kicked a field goal to win. And uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. True Panther style, though. That's the way we roll here. It's almost as if we have a mascot that's a black cat, sort of an international sign of bad luck. And I like the Panthers. I like the logo. I like the 
the mascot. I like all of that, but I, I, I do wonder. You know, George Seifert, when he was the coach of that terrible, terrible team, that one in fifteen team, he would not walk across the logo in in the middle of the field. He would walk around it because he didn't. He was superstitious. And I don't know if that was the black cat or just the logo superstition. I'm not sure. But he would walk around it. He would never walk over it. So, uh, there's that. Oh, oh here's, some, uh, here's some news. Uh, the Gaza report. Residents who remain in, I guess these are two areas of, uh, of Gaza, Ramal and Zaytun, they speak of constant underground explosions and shaking under their homes throughout the past week. At the same time, some other residents report they hear voices claiming to be Hamas fighters calling for help from their underground positions. See, it's not all bad news today. It's not all bad news. Oh, gosh. Your tunnels have become your tomb, Hamas. Ah, man. Anyway, um, the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce got attacked by the governor. Yep. And uh, they responded in a strongly worded letter. I have a copy of my good friend Ray Cooper's letter to the chamber and a copy of the chamber's response. And uh, looking at the attack on here, yeah, there are receipts attached to it as well. A correction. Did the guy tell you his name? No. An anonymous caller said that uh, the Panthers have always had the, uh, the NFL symbol when Jerry Richardson was the owner. And that's true. They did. They had the uh, NFL logo in the center of the field. So... Seifert's walking around, the, and I've, I Googled this during the break, too. He did that for all logos. It wasn't just the Panther logos. So I don't know if it was practice field or, or end zones or what, but he would never walk across any logos. Even when he was at the 49ers, he wouldn't do it. So he was, And he also like wore the same sweater all the time or something. He was a superstitious kind of guy. Anywho, let me, uh, let me get to this, uh, this letter. This is from... Roy Cooper, that's how you pronounce it, Cooper, right? We got the big lesson on the pronunciation last week. We've all been mispronouncing his name all this time in Nash County, where he is from, C-O-O-P-E-R, is apparently pronounced Cooper, not the way we've been pronouncing it, Tyrant. So just a completely different pronunciation altogether. So my bad. All right, Governor Cooper writes to Mr. Gary Salamito, who is the president and CEO of the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce, but also he CCs the entire chamber board and cornerstone members of the North Carolina Chamber, which I guess there are four of them. I guess you could have more than four corners. It's not like a, this isn't basketball. Anyway, uh, in the letter, Uh, Governor Cooper says, quote, I am writing to express my serious concerns over the habitual failure of the North Carolina General Assembly to confirm black nominees to various judicial or quasi judicial roles. Moreover, I want to relay my concern over frequent reports from legislators, staff 
and stakeholders that these decisions are often made in consultation with the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce. I am aware that the Chamber has no statutory responsibility to approve or reject nominations, but legislators often point to the Chamber as a primary driver behind their actions. Moreover, it has been the experience of my office that the Chamber has not supported the nomination of several black nominees to judicial and quasi-judicial roles, despite repeated requests to do so. I strongly urge you to work with your staff and members to consider the Chamber's impact, intentional or not, in making North Carolina government less representative than the people it serves. I am sending a copy of this letter to your board of directors and members, most of whom I am sure are not aware of this problem and will want to rectify it once they are made aware of the statistics. Like, this is the disparate outcome argument, where you don't actually have to prove any kind of intention. All you're doing is looking at statistics to say, ah, You obviously are doing this for some reason, and I'm just going to go ahead and assume it's racism, right? I'm going to go ahead and say that (laughs) because, you know, politics. By the way, if you – let's say you wanted to write one of these types of letters. Might you be incentivized as the one making the nominations to put up a whole bunch of people that are not qualified but have a certain immutable characteristic – So then when they get rejected, you can then claim it was for the nefarious motive, not for lack of qualifications, which, by the way, appears to be what Roy Cooper has been doing. Because the chamber outlines, the chamber goes through and outlines all of his appointments. Oh, and by the way, they also note Roy Cooper, um, he's replacing a black judge with a white female, a black male who resigned to now run for governor against Josh Stein. Mike Morgan is his name. He he stepped down off of the Supreme Court. He's running for governor against Josh Stein, who has Roy Cooper's endorsement. And Cooper, rather than nominate or appoint, I should say, a, a black judge to replace a black judge, he appointed a white judge. Allison Riggs, uh, Coalition for Southern Justice or whatever it is. Anita Earls' organization that keeps suing the legislature. So that was her, that was her gift because she lost her, her court of appeals race. So, yeah. Or no, she wasn't up for court of appeals. Did she? Yeah. He appointed her first to that, and then he appointed her to the state Supreme Court. Anyway, um, so who's the racist here, Governor Tyrant? Uh, sorry, Cooper. And it's going to take me a while to break the habit. I apologize. All right, so Governor Roy Cooper uh, writes a letter to the State Chamber of Commerce saying that he believes state government should look like the people it serves and protects, and have uh, he has put forward nominees who are intelligent, experienced, and fair. We also strive to ensure that they reflect the diverse wealth of talent and experience in North Carolina. My administration has worked to identify highly qualified individuals for appointment to roles, including business court judges, industrial commissioners, members of the Board of Review, and others. The Chamber is known to play an outsized role in supporting or rejecting the confirmation of these individuals at the General Assembly. 
In recognition of this fact, the governor's office has routinely and consistently sought the chamber's input and discussed potential nominees with the chamber's staff because we want to see them confirmed and understand that the chamber plays an important role in that process. Unfortunately, the record shows an alarming racial disparity in the confirmation of white and black nominees, including the failed nomination of six consecutive black nominees to the Board of Review in 2021 and 2022. In each of these denials, it was difficult, if not impossible, to get an explanation from the General Assembly members or the chamber of substantive objections to the nominees. All right, so what is he saying there? He put up six different nominees. They were rejected by the General Assembly, and nobody is telling him or explaining in a substantive way what their objections are. Most recently, the General Assembly has refused to even consider the confirmation of two consecutive black women nominated to serve on the North Carolina Business Court, which currently has no minority serving in any of its six seats. This, despite our state having a population that is over 30% non-white and 22% black. My pending nominee is a decorated Air Force veteran who served as an intelligence officer and a JAG and is a political independent. She is a partner at one of the largest law firms in the U.S. where she represents corporate clients in product liability claims, uh, complex civil litigation, environmental litigation. She even clerked for a Republican North Carolina Supreme Court justice. She also happens to be black. Appointments to the business court are a priority of the chamber, and legislators and staff have repeatedly referred to the chamber's refusal to endorse my qualified nominees as lawmakers' motivation for not taking action. Right, so this is what this is what he is hearing from lawmakers. He doesn't say which party. So I'm assuming these are Democrat lawmakers, or maybe these are Republican lawmakers. Doesn't say what staffers are telling him this either. The General Assembly's overall record of confirming black nominees from my office is abysmal. They have confirmed just 13 out of 33 black nominees from my office. That's a 39% rate. 13 out of 33. By comparison, they have confirmed 42 out of 70 white nominees from my office. That's 60%. These figures reflect all nominations to courts, boards, and commissions requiring confirmation. All the court, well, does the chamber advise on all courts or is it just the business court and the review board? For the North Carolina Business Court, the Industrial Commission, and the Board of Review combined, all of which the chamber plays a role in, he says the, no- he says the numbers are worse. The General Assembly has confirmed only five out of 14 black nominees, that's 36%, 12 out of 14 white nominees, 86%. The discrepancy is stark and reflects, at best, a huge blind spot for the General Assembly and, at worst, a record of troubling racism. So he's just, just flat out saying it. Chamber and the General Assembly are racists. Right? That Or you have a blind spot. You just can't even see. Well, well, wait a minute. I thought we're not supposed to see. No, wait. No, that's racist now. Hang on a second. Yeah. Colorblindness is racist. Right. Sorry. That changed in my lifetime. So my apologies. Uh, 
The chamber's substantial influence on the General Assembly cannot be ignored when considering this pathetic record. As governor, I have worked to recruit record numbers of uh, new jobs to our state. What I hear constantly is diversity benefits businesses bottom line, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Ask you to confer with your staff and, you know, uh, uh, do better, basically. A real change is necessary. With kind regards, I am very truly yours, Roy Cooper. So the governor sends this out to the media, which kind of rubs the chamber the wrong way. Rightfully so. Right? Why wouldn't you go to the chamber and talk with them about it first? So the chamber has a very lengthy letter that it wrote in response. It says, we got your letter. It is sadly notable that your Friday correspondence was initially delivered to the media and then to our organization. We issued a brief statement on Friday observing that your accusations of our organization's lack of support for diversifying the leadership positions of state government to be both meritless and beneath the dignity of your office. Unfortunately, we have no choice but to now respond more fully to provide greater public clarity on how some of your nominations have been received generally and more specifically by the broader business community. At the outset, the chamber is profoundly disappointed regarding the decaying state of discourse and civility laid bare by communications such as your letter. Having worked tirelessly and effectively to secure a promising future for the entirety of North Carolina's business community and always doing so without regard to identity, being wrongly and arrogantly lectured to by the state's chief executive with outrageous claims of racism is enormously hurtful and dispiriting. It was a moment our team will never forget and one we trust you will not repeat. Imagine, further... Working thoughtfully across North Carolina's diverse business sectors as a coalescing force to better facilitate interests and divergent, uh, as divergent as lenders and borrowers, buyers and sellers of everything from manufactured goods to ag products to health care, and even the regulated and the regulators. Right? We deal with all of these people. Our efforts on these and myriad other fronts are for the sake of fostering and achieving enduring legislative and policy outcomes. Da da da. Uh, but, 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 but skip ahead here. Yet for undertaking this work with integrity, transparency, and purpose, you have publicly attacked our organization, suggesting we collude with another branch of government to deny the fruits of those benefits to a certain racial class. Taken in its best light, your commentary is simply and patently wrong. In its worst light, it is malevolent and libelous. I'm, I'm saying that's what it is. I'm saying look at it in its worst light. Ray Cooper is nasty. He always has been. This is his brand of politics. And he, he skates by with a compliant North Carolina press corps that treats him like, oh, look, he's just old Roy, all backslapping Roy. He's just a fun guy to be around. This guy, uh-uh, nasty. I've documented it over the years. You know, the HB2 thing should have disavowed uh, or uh, disabused everybody of the notion that he's anything but a nasty partisan hack. But race card needed to be played, I guess, so he played it. I'll get to the rest of this letter from the chamber up next. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? 
Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out the north carolina chamber of commerce unloads on the governor for uh accusing them of uh, engaging in racially biased uh i guess consultation against black nominees that he has put forth for different boards and commissions in the letter that came from uh the chamber i believe this was signed yeah by gary salamito who is the uh president and ceo of the state board or uh, yeah, the state chamber rather, uh, calls it an inappropriate assertion that the North Carolina chamber staff in, is in any way, intentionally or not, racially motivated. He said this assertion is extraordinarily misplaced, highly offensive, and completely without merit. Um, he then goes, this is a five-page letter. He then goes through, he says, noticeably absent from your letter and observations are any acknowledgement of your role in the confirmation process or any description of the effort or political capital you have invested to have your nominees confirmed. You also provided no context to the circumstances under which some of your nominations were submitted and the actual reasons they likely were not confirmed. So here they are. And then he proceeds to document all of the nominations and the problems that they had with the different people. For example, you nominated, uh, you said that you had six consecutive black nominees for the North Carolina Board of Review and that they were not confirmed during 2021 and 2022. However, your letter conveniently ignores that the nominee that was ultimately confirmed is black (laughs) With, with the clear and unwavering support of the chamber and other business organizations. Her confirmation was secured in each legislative chamber with unanimous votes. As a result, the board now consists entirely of women, two of whom are black. To be clear, all three members of the board are your appointees. To add additional specificity to the facts and circumstances regarding your failed Board of Review nominations, it is vital to note that each faced headwinds in their nominations, having absolutely nothing to do with race. Three of your nominees that happened to be attorneys indicated that if they were confirmed, that they would nonetheless maintain their distant law practices. Despite the inherent conflict of interest and ethical concerns raised by this stance, these individuals were put forward by your office. Respectfully, the North Carolina Chamber does not believe that service on a board that, for example, in 2021 had 7,000 pending appeals The chamber doesn't believe this is a part-time gig. The fact that the current annual salary for a board of review member is more than $148,000 and increases to $153K leaves little room to suggest otherwise. This is a full-time job. And so when three of your nominees that you put forward all said they're not going to give up their day job, the chamber said, 
yeah, you know what? That's probably not a good idea. This is a full-time job, you, and so you shouldn't, you shouldn't have been nominated or you should be rejected. The other nominee was a guy by the name of Larry Hall. Now, they don't name him, but he was the former chair of the House Democratic Caucus. He was a former state lawmaker. He had relationships with various members in the legislature, and not all of them would be good, you know? Also, this member, Larry Hall, he voted against overriding Governor Bev Perdue's veto of the very legislation that created this board in 2011. So he was opposed to the board, to creating it. He also opposed Pat McCrory's uh, veto. He voted against overriding his veto of the legislation that reformed the unemployment insurance program. Remember that? In 2014. Larry Hall doesn't seem to be on the same page with the work of the Board of Review. Yet another failed nominee had recently completed a contentious bid to oust a sitting House member during the 2020 election cycle. Had you asked the House caucus about whether they would support his nomination for this post, specifically the member that he ran against and campaigned against, maybe you would have had a better understanding of why he was not likely to win appointment. (laughs) Another nominee had served in state government and was opposed by powerful members of the General Assembly with whom he had worked for uh, being unresponsive and difficult to engage. It's curious this sort of information did not come to your attention prior to your nomination. It goes on. Like, they just dismantle all of these nominees, pointing out all of the problems that these people had. In no instance, they say... Will we ever apply a race-based litmus test to a nominee, nor have we ever done so in the past? They then walk through the Industrial Commission. They walk through the North Carolina Business Court, go through all of those appointments and, point, and show how, how the people that Cooper sent had problems that had nothing to do with their race. But Roy Cooper wants to cast, what, the chamber as a bunch of racists? And and the General Assembly, of course, as a bunch of racists? Why? Why would you do that? Well, he's not running for re-election, right? But no, you need to, you need to motivate the base. The chamber president says it is well chronicled that a long-serving and highly regarded Supreme Court justice recently resigned to seek your party's nomination for governor. He also happens to be black. Not only have you swiftly endorsed his opponent, who is not black, you also appointed a non-minority to fill his open seat on the Supreme Court. Right? So, I don't know, you know, pointing the finger at somebody else, the three fingers pointing back at you, I don't know. Seems like it might be applicable here.